Welcome back to the Health Disparities Podcast from Movement is Life, part two of our preview of the 2022 caucus workshops, which go live on November 10th and 11th when Movement is Life convenes our annual caucus in Washington, D.C. We're sharing a lively preview and discussion of all eight of the workshops at this year's caucus on the podcast as episodes 126 and 127 released simultaneously after we previewed the plenary speakers during episode 124. I'm your host, Rolf Taylor, and I am joined by our inaugural Movement is Life Executive Director, Dr. Millicent Gorham, and our Movement is Life Board Chair and Caucus Chair, Dr. Mary O'Connor. And in this episode of the podcast, we're reviewing the workshops that come under the movement category. Our fifth workshop to discuss is called Social Influences of Health, Opening Doors, Opening Minds, Impacting Lives, Strategies to Improve Well-Being. The workshop starts with asking the question, do you speak medical-ish? And it goes on to ask, do you want to be a health influencer? Do you want to transform healthcare delivery? Do you want to impact lives? Then open your mind and open the doors to endless possibilities. Enhance your abilities and learn new strategies to improve the health and well-being of your patients, your communities, your families, and you. The workshop objectives are to identify social drivers of health in diverse communities, to address the dimensions of community intersectionality, identify strategies to address unique needs of communities, um, it's moderated by Dr. Ramon Jimenez, who's been our steering group for many years, orthopedic surgeon, with Dr. Armando de Alba of University of Nebraska. He will speak on how improving health and achieving health equity requires broader approaches that address social, economic, and environmental factors that influence health. Then we have Dr. Adila Valdez, Associate Dean of Diversity and Inclusion at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley School of Medicine um, in Harlingen, Texas, will address how healthcare providers and organizations can address community intersectionality and impact community and organizational healthcare transformation. And then Dr. Ilan Shapiro, Chief Health Correspondent and Medical Affairs Officer at for Altamed in Los Angeles, We'll talk about how healthcare leaders have felt that they lack tools and opportunities to share their message. These presentations will provide an overview of how to create, hear, and respond to our community's needs by translating medical-ish into a language that can be used to reach everyone. I think that should jump off to Dr. O'Connor because she can deal with that medical-ish (laughs) (laughs) well it is a very challenging subject because the language of medicine is known to healthcare practitioners it is not known to patients and so this can this creates this communication gap and it's difficult sometimes for you know, physicians, I'll just, I'll just talk about physicians because I'm an orthopedic surgeon, to always translate the medical jargon into language that someone who doesn't know that language can understand. And that does not mean that that individual is not intelligent. It would be like someone speaking French to me. I don't speak French. 
how could I possibly understand what they're saying? So in the same way, this to me is more nuanced than that or more complex than that, because it's also on the part of the physicians or nurse practitioner, whoever it is, to be open to learning the language of the patient and understanding that we both need to work together to have effective communication. Otherwise, there's no trust. And if there's no trust, then there's no chance that an individual is going to take the advice of their doctor or nurse practitioner, their healthcare provider. So I think that looking at the way we communicate is is really important. So I'm very excited about this, this workshop. Number six, shared decision-making beyond the hype. And this workshop defines shared decision-making and looks at the framework for the Movement is Life shared decision-making tool. And participants will learn the value of shared decision-making and its implementation in primary care practice. So grant-funded shared decision-making initiatives will be reviewed and participants will gain insights into a range of shared decision-making tools and educational resources, as well as efforts to advance shared decision-making with cost information among a range of consumer, caregiver, and provider audiences. The participants will actively participate in collaborative discussions about the benefits and barriers of current shared decision-making initiatives And the goals include educating participants on how to implement shared decision-making tool initiatives in private primary practice and or national independent nonprofit organizations. So the patient should be able to identify obstacles to sustainability of shared decision-making tools for providers and how to overcome them. Moderated by Dr. Michelle Leake from Mayo Clinic in Florida, the speakers are Nicole Innie, who is the Senior Director, Grants and Consumer Education at Fair Health Organization, Donna Couric from Ortho, Virginia, and then a group from the University of Florida Health, which is Dr. Ross Jones, Anne-Marie Knight, Ashley Thompson, they'll be covering the final segment. Mary, why is shared decision-making such an important component for achieving health equity? Shared decision-making is critical for not just driving health equity, but actually driving the right outcome for the patient and and good clinical outcomes. So shared decision-making takes into account a patient's values and preferences when treatment recommendations are being made. Because if you think of this, right, the recommendation from your doctor should be a recommendation that is something that you as a patient can embrace. And so that means it has to align with with your values and your preferences. Otherwise, it's a useless recommendation, essentially. So the value of this workshop is really doing a deeper dive into let's talk about different tools. Why are they valuable? how can you incorporate them into clinical practice? And if you're a patient, why you want your team using a shared decision-making tool with you. So we want to create this um, movement where patients are actually going out saying, well, do you have a shared decision-making tool that we are going to use together to help us come up with the best recommendation for me as an individual? And so that tool not only should take into account their 
values and preferences, but also reflect when where we have data and knowledge about how conditions may impact people differently based on uh, gender, race, ethnicity, so that I understand that as a woman, maybe this is different for me compared to a man, or maybe for an African uh, American female, that would be different for her compared to a, a white female. So it's uh, this is going to be a fabulous workshop. A lot of this is about making sure that the care plan is customized to the individual and that the individual is coming away engaged and motivated. Absolutely. Because if the patient is not engaged and motivated, nothing happens. Movement is Life has, has worked on a shared decision-making tool, which is particularly built for orthopedics for many years. So there is a there is a practical tool ready to be used. Yeah, so we're very excited. Our shared decision-making tool focuses on knee pain. It, uh, it is personalized. So input such as uh, gender, race, ethnicity, uh, comorbid conditions, hypertension, diabetes, et cetera, are, put in, are inputs in the tool. And then the real power of the tool is the patient and the clinician can look at different treatment options and see what impact the tool would uh, suggest will happen over a period of uh, of time, one years, you know, one year, uh, three years, five years, etc. So, and also, I'll add, the tool always has a default of do nothing, because so many patients do nothing. Um, and that's and that's because the care that we deliver is not very holistic and we don't give them the support and the tools that they need to help them with behavior change uh, to embrace a healthier lifestyle. And we could do a whole podcast on this role. So um, I'll just say that this is going to be a very, very powerful workshop, not only for people that are in the clinical space as providers, but also for people who are on the flip side, meaning on the patient side of things, to understand why they want to have shared decision-making as part of their process. And at the end of the day, we are all patients. At some point in our lives, we are all patients. Absolutely. Whenever you're ready, we can do that podcast. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Would you like to add anything, Millicent? The one thing about Dr. O'Connor's presentation is that I take away from that is the communications part. And the communication says from Dr. O'Connor to Millicent, Millicent, if your knee hurts, you have a default of not doing anything at all. Your knee is going to continue to hurt. But Millicent, if you drive to the Walmart and you park your car, the furthest slot from the front door and you get in some steps and you walk around that Walmart, and you do that a couple of times, three or four times a week, Walmart, Target, Costco, wherever it might be, I promise you that you will have lessened pain and it will help your entire well-being. That's the kind of direct communications that the shared decision-making tool helps between the patient and the provider. And moving on to number seven, This is Move Your Mind, Move Your Body. This workshop description starts with the phrase, I've fallen and I can't get up. 
So none of us want to be speaking those words, but it happens to many of us later in life. And fall prevention is essential to longevity. But the importance of the mind-body connection goes far beyond the ability to balance. So the workshop asks, are the troubles of life weighing you down? Have you had challenges staying active or concentrating? Do you want to choose to live your life in a different way? Join our workshop and learn how to move your mind, body, and find your balance. The goals of the workshop are to examine the impact of falls on mental and physical well-being and the role of fall prevention education and programs. And these discussions will demonstrate examples of physical movement and mental health centering on activities to improve your body and mind. So our co-moderators are Yoshika Watkins. Dr. Watkins is Associate Professor at the Chicago State University and Kirsten Ambrose, Associate Director of the Osteoarthritis Action Alliance. And the speakers are Dr. Reginald Richardson Sr., Executive Director of the Pritzker Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Health at the Children's Hospital of Chicago, and Kathleen Cameron, who is Senior Director, Center for Healthy Aging at the National Council of Aging. We also have Alina Ferreira from the Geriatric Research and Education Clinical Center in Central Arkansas uh, Veterans Healthcare System, and she divides her time with fall prevention initiatives state of Hawaii, where she's also Tai Chi for Arthritis Master Trainer at the Tai Chi for Health Institute, Oahu, Hawaii. Millicent, fascinating description and exploration of the mind-body connection. You know, one of the beauties of, of being with Movement is Life is that you get to talk to a lot of different people about how their body physically impacts their mental status. And making sure that you can move, get around and walk or swim or do Tai Chi really elevates that brain and keeps that brain elastic. And your overall well-being is changed, particularly for older, for older people. But imagine, though, that we start this all along our life cycle, right? We start as we're young and we just continue it and maybe do some different things along the way. I used to be able to run that quarter mile when I was 16 years old. Now I just want to walk around block a couple of times. I'm happy to get that done. And then my brain says, wow, I'm, I don't have brain fog. I can focus more on things that I need to focus on. I can enjoy my family and friends. I have a heightened um, sense of well-being overall. That's the connection there between that body and, and that mind. And having that, that mental connection, that mental well-being is, is top of the list. They go hand in hand. Physical and mental go hand in hand. And it's just awful to see how many of our seniors end up really taking a, a big step down in their health if they have a fall of some kind. So that whole thing about maintaining the ability to balance, the, the, the ability to stay um, active and mobile is so important. Um, but it seems like we need a really significant cultural shift to get that being commonplace thinking. 
we do, Rolf, um, and you know, we we do need a cultural shift. But but as Millicent said, I agree completely. Like recognizing how important the mind, body, and I'll add spirit connection is is critical to someone's health and well-being. And we know in our vicious cycle that the person that gets joint pain that becomes immobile, they gain weight, that puts more pressure on the joint. They're in that cycle that's ending up with, you know, a very bad and painful joint that could need surgery. But what also happens is the development of the comorbid conditions like heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, and depression. And so we can we can no longer separate, you know, the health of our minds and our spirits with, from the health of our bodies. And we have to start seeing people as the whole persons that they are. Number eight is engaging the body and brain through an African drumming and dance experience. And for this workshop, participants will be given the opportunity to learn and participate in several interactive African dance and culture sessions and will be encouraged to apply the material to their daily activities. The sessions will be divided into the following three interactive segments. First, African dance choreography. Second, African cultural immersion activity. And then thirdly, discussion of the role that African dance and other forms of dance could have on cognition and psychological well-being throughout the lifespan. So this is a really, really um, interesting group. The session is moderated by Kristin Zollikoffer. She's Chief Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Officer of Lifespan, Providence, Rhode Island. Ishmael Abdul-Wahid is a orthopedic physician associate. And we also have a truly multidisciplinary group of speakers who are involved in researching this subject area at the University of Pittsburgh Department of Psychology. They are Chrysala Brown, Mishoti Williams, Hawa Kalon, along with Dr. Kirk Erickson, of Advent Health Research Institute, Orlando, Florida. So very interesting uh, discussion about the power of dance, but also this is backed up by a pretty major research study. Um, Mary, your thoughts on this workshop? Yeah, I have to tell you, I am so excited about what they're doing. And Dr. Erickson is really a leader in this because we intuitively know that movement and a, a, a sense of well-being, joy that you would get from dancing is good for you. But what Dr. Erickson is studying is actually looking at the brain of individuals through imaging, right, to see how uh, these tasks would actually impact um, blood flow to the brain neural responses so how how well my brain functions to to a given uh, task and maybe even predict if african dance will increase brain volume and the uh, white matter so the ability of the brain to make good decisions which could of course translate into the delay of of dementia for individuals so so like getting the scientific data that would show this correlation 
will be hugely impactful. Now, of course, our workshop participants are not part of his research study, just to be clear on that. But we are so blessed to have Dr. Erickson and his team because they are true innovators and leaders in studying this and, and, and recognizing that we need to approach these activities in a culturally aligned manner. It's just a, an amazing workshop. It is an amazing workshop, uh, Dr. O'Connor, and it is best by popular demand. Yes, it is. I was there <laughs> when they had the workshop the last time, and I actually got to play the African drums, and I did the African dancing, and Dr. O'Connor is absolutely right in terms of the how you get so much joy out of dancing, and they'll teach you other kinds of dance movements beyond African dancing, but I did want to throw in about uh, Dwight Calhoun, who's Mr. Cardiotone, who will be a part of our conference for the two days during the breaks, and he will be teaching us uh, different kinds of dances uh, to go-go music, which is the Washington, D.C. number one style of music, and Latin music as well. So we want to make sure that everyone gets a chance to not only be there for that workshop, but also get a chance to be a part of Mr. Cardio Tone session throughout the conference. Wow. So we have a lot of dancing at the at the conference this year. It's called <laughs> Movement in Life. There you go. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I, I, if you ask me now, I couldn't give you... Um, my selection from these. What a great offering. Isn't this the best offering we've had of workshops ever? I think it's right up there. We have great workshops every year and it's it's very exciting. So we're looking forward to everyone getting something out of the workshops because that's really the most important part of the workshops, right? That people are going to leave enriched in some way through their personal experience, gained knowledge, insights into actionable items to help advance equity. And so that's really what we're after is giving our caucus attendees a fabulous, enriching experience. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for all your hard work in making all of this happen. And also for joining us today on the Health Disparities podcast to give us a really valuable preview of, of these uh, wonderful workshops and also the plenary sessions, as we mentioned in the previous episode. So we look forward to seeing you in person, if you can join us um, in November for the caucus and also joining us on future episodes of the podcast, which will be featuring some of the people uh, that we've been talking about today. We look forward to seeing everyone November 10th and 11th, Marriott Marquis Hotel, Washington, D.C., to register, go to www.movementislifecaucus.com. Yes, and we're just looking forward to having another great caucus this year and welcoming everyone. So thank you very much for this wonderful podcast. So here's a recap of those movement workshop titles. Workshop five is Social Influences of Health, Opening Doors, Opening Minds, Impacting Lives, Strategies to Improve Well-Being. Workshop 6, Shared Decision-Making Beyond the Hype. Workshop 7, Move Your Mind, Move Your Body. And Workshop 8, Engaging the Body and Brain Through an African Drumming and Dance Experience. 
We hope you can join us for the caucus, and we'll be covering many aspects of the caucus on the podcast after the event. And join us on our next episode as we visit a Hispanic community in San Diego and learn about a community intervention that has been helping make the community more healthy and more resilient. Until then, be safe and be well. Thanks for listening to the Health Disparities podcast from Movement is Life.